Chapter Seven of the Tinted Venus by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Seven: A Further Predicament. So long as the world contains us both, me the loving and you the loath, while the one eludes, must the other pursue. Browning immediately after breakfast the next day leander went out and paid a visit to miss twillings bringing away with him a hooded cloak of the precise kind he remembered matilda to have described as unlikely to render its owner conspicuous with this garment he succeeded in disguising the statue to such a degree that it was far less likely than before that the goddess's appearance in public would excite any particular curiosity a result which somewhat relieved his anxiety as to her future proceedings but all that day his thoughts were busy with matilda he must he feared have deeply offended her by his abrupt change on the previous night and now he could not expect to meet her again for days and would not know how to explain his conduct if he did meet her if he could only dare to tell her everything but from such a course he shrank matilda would not only be extremely indignant though in very truth he had done nothing positively wrong as yet but with her strict notions and well-regulated principles she would assuredly recoil from a lover who had brought himself into a predicament so hideous he would tell her all when or if he succeeded in extricating himself but he was to learn the nature of matilda's sentiments sooner than he expected it was growing dusk and he was unpacking a parcel of goods in his front shop for his saloon happened to be empty just then when the outer door swung back and a slight girlish figure entered after a pause of indecision on the threshold it was matilda had she come to break it off to reproach him he was prepared for no less she had never paid him a visit like this alone before and some doubts of the propriety of the thing seemed to be troubling her now for she did not speak matilda he faltered don't tell me you have come in a spirit of unpleasantness for i can't bear it don't you deserve that i should she said but not angrily you know you were very strange in behaving as you did last night i couldn't tell what to make of it i know he said confusedly it was something come over me all of a sudden like i can't understand what made me like that but oh tilly my dearest love my art was busting with adoration all the time the circumstances was highly particular but i don't know that i could explain them you needn't leander i have found you out she said this with a strange significance what he almost shrieked you don't mean it matilda tell me quick has the discovery changed your feelings towards me has it yes she said softly i-i think it has but you ought not to have done it leander i know he groaned i was a fool tilly a fool but may i get out of it yet he added can i get her to let me off i must i will matilda opened her eyes but leander dear listen don't be so hasty i never said i wanted her to let you off did i he looked at her in a dazed manner i rather thought he said slowly that it might have put you out a little i see i was mistook you might have known that i should be more pleased than angry i should think said matilda more pleased than i might have known exclaimed the bewildered man 
oh you can't really be taking it as cool as this will you kindly inform me what it is you're alluding to in this way what's the use of pretending you know i know and it is colder much colder this morning i felt it directly i got up quite a change in the weather i'm sure he said mechanically it feels like a frost coming on has matilda looked in to tell me the weather's changed he was wondering within himself either i'm mad or matilda is you dear old goose said matilda with an unusual effusiveness you shan't tease me like this do you think i've no eyes and no feelings any girl i don't care how proud or offended would come round on such proof of devotedness as i've had this evening when i saw it gone i felt i must come straight in and thank you and tell you i shouldn't think any more of last night i couldn't stop myself when you saw what gone cried the hairdresser rubbing up his hair the cloak said matilda and then as she saw his expression her own changed leander tweddle she asked in a dry hard voice have i been making a wretched fool of myself didn't you buy that cloak he understood at last he had gone to miss twillings chiefly because he was in a hurry and it was close by and he knew nowhere else where he could be sure of getting what he required now by some supreme stroke of the ill luck which seemed to be pursuing him of late he had unwittingly purchased the identical garment on which matilda had fixed her affections how was he to notice that they took it out of the window for him all this flashed across him as he replied yes yes tilly i did buy a cloak there but are you sure it was the same you told me about do you think a woman doesn't know the look of a thing like that when it's taken her fancy said matilda why i could tell you every clasp and tassel on that cloak it wasn't one you'd see every day and i knew it was gone the moment i passed the window it quite upset me for i'd set my heart on it so and i ran into miss twilling and asked her what had become of it and when she said she'd sold it that morning i thought i should have fainted you see it never struck me that it could be you for how could i dream that you'd be clever enough to go and choose the very one leander it was clever of you yes he said with a bitter rail against himself i'm a clever chap i am but how did you find out oh i made miss twilling i often get little things there i made her describe who she sold it to and she said she thought it was to a gentleman in the hair-cutting persuasion who lived near and then of course i guessed who bought it tilly gasped leander i-i didn't mean you to guess the purpose for which i required that cloak is my secret oh you silly man when i've guessed it and i take it just as kind of you as if it was to be all a surprise i was wishing as i came along i could afford to buy it at once it struck so cold coming out of our place and you had actually bought it for me all the time thank you ever so much leander dear he had only to accept the position and he did i'm glad you're pleased he said i intended it as a surprise and i am surprised said matilda because do you know last night when i went home i was feeling very cross with you i kept thinking that perhaps you didn't care for me any more and were trying to break it off and oh all sorts of horrid things i kept thinking and aunt gave me a message for you this morning and i was so out of temper i wouldn't leave it and now to find you've been so kind she stretched out her hand to him across the counter and he took and held it tight he had never seen her looking sweeter nor felt that she was half so dear to him after all his blunder had brought them together again and he was grateful to it 
at last matilda said you were quite right about this wrapper leander it's not half warm enough for a night like this i'm really afraid to go home in it he knew well enough what she intended him to do but just then he dared not appear to understand it isn't far only to millman street he said and you must walk fast tilly i wish i could leave the shop and come too you want me to ask you downright she said pouting you men can't even be kind prettily don't you want to see how i look in your cloak leander what could he say after that he must run upstairs deprive the goddess of her mantle and hand it over to matilda she had evidently made up her mind to have that particular cloak and he must buy the statue another it would be expensive but there was no help for it certainly he said you shall have it now dearest if you'd like to i'll run up and fetch it down if you'll want he rushed upstairs two steps at a time and flinging open the door of a cupboard began desperately to uncloak his aphrodite she was lifeless still which he considered fortunate but the goddess seemed to have a natural propensity to retain any form of portable property one of her arms was so placed that tug and stretch as he would leander could not get the cloak from her shoulders and his efforts only broke one of the oxidized silver fastenings and tore part of the squirrel's fur lining it was useless and with a damp forehead he came down again to his expectant fiancée why haven't you got it after all she cried her face falling tilly my own dear girl he said i'm uncommon sorry upon my soul i am but you can't have the cloak this evening but why leander why because one of the clasps is broke it must be sent back to be repaired i don't mind that let me have it just as it is and the lining's torn no matilda i shan't make you a present of a damaged article i shall send it back they must change it for me then he thought i can buy my matilda another i don't care for any other but that she said and you can't match it oh lor he thought and she knows every inch of it the goddess must give it up it'll be the same to her very well then dearest you shall have that but not till it's done up i must have my way in this and as soon as ever i can i'll bring it round leander could you bring it me by sunday she said eagerly when you come why sunday he asked because oh that was the message your aunt asked me to bring you it was in a note but i've lost it she told me what was inside though and it's this will you give her the pleasure of your company at her midday dinner at two o'clock to be introduced to mamma and she said you were to be sure and not forget her ring he tottered for a moment the ring yes there was that to be got off too besides the cloak haven't you got the ring from vidler's yet she said he's had it such a time he told her where he had left it for alterations yes he said he has had it a time it's disgraceful the way that old vidler potters and potters i shall go round and hurry him up i won't stand it any longer here a customer came in and matilda slipped away with a hurried good-bye i've got till sunday to get straight the hairdresser thought as he attended on the newcomer the best part of a week surely i can talk that venus over by that time when he was alone he went up to see her without losing a moment he must have left the door unlocked in his haste for she was standing before the low chimney-glass regarding herself intently as he came in she turned who has done all this she demanded tell me was it you 
i did take the liberty mum he faltered guiltily you have done well she said graciously with reverent and loving care you have imparted hues as of life to these cheeks and decked my image in robes of costly skins don't name it mum he said but what are these she continued raising a hand to the light ringlets on her brow i like them not they are unseemly the waving lines parted by the bold chisel of a grecian sculptor resemble my ambrosial tresses more nearly than this abomination you may go all over london said leander and you won't find a coiffure though i say it to set closer and defy detection more naturally than the one you've got on selected from the best imported foreign hair on the market i do assure you i accept the offering for the spirit in which it was presented though i approve it not otherwise you'll find it wear very comfortable said leander but that cloak now i come to see it on really is most unworthy of you a very inferior piece of goods and if you'll allow me i'll change it and he gently extended his hand to draw it off touch it not said the goddess for having once been placed upon my effigy it is consecrated to my service for mercy's sake let me get another one one with more style about it he entreated my credit hangs on it i am content she said more than content no more words i retain it and you have pleased me by this conduct my hairdresser unknown it may be even to yourself your heart is warming in the sunshine of my favour you are coy and wayward but you are yielding though pent in this form carved by a mortal hand i shall prevail in the end i shall have you for my own he rumpled his hair wildly horrid obstinate these goddesses are he thought what am i to say to matilda now if i could only find a way of getting this statue shut up somewhere where she couldn't come and bother me i'd take my chance of the rest i can't go on with this sort of thing every evening i'm sick and tired of it then something occurred to him could i delude her into it he asked himself she's soft enough in some things and for all she's a goddess she don't seem up to our london ways yet i'll have a try anyway so he began didn't i understand you to observe mum some time back that the pigeons and sparrers were your birds they are mine she said or they were mine in days that are past well he said there's a place close by with railings in front of it and steps and pillars as you go in and if you'd like to go and look in the yard there you'll find pigeons enough to set you up again i shouldn't wonder if they've been keeping them for you all this time they shall not lose by it she said go thither and bring me my birds i think he said it would be better if you'd go yourself they don't know me at the british museum but if you was to go to the beetle at the lodge and demand them i've no doubt you'd be attended to and you'll see some parties at the gates in long coats and black cloth helmets which if you ask them to catch you a few sparers they'll probably be most happy to oblige my beloved birds she said i have been absent from them so long yes i will go tell me where he got his hat and went with her to a corner of bloomsbury square from which they could see the railings fronting the museum in the still tinted haze of electric light that's the place he said keeps its own moonshine you see go straight in and tell em you're come to fetch your doves i will do so she said and strode off in imperious majesty 
he looked after her with an irrepressible chuckle if she ain't locked up soon i don't know myself he said and went back to his establishment he had only just dismissed his apprentice and secured the shop for the night when he heard the well-known tread up the staircase back again i don't have any luck he muttered and with reason for the statue wearing an expression of cold displeasure advanced into his room he felt a certain sense of guilt as he saw her got the birds he inquired with a nervous familiarity or couldn't you bring yourself to ask for them you have misled me she said my birds are not there i came to gates in front of a stately pile doubtless erected to some god at the entrance stood a priest burly and strong with gold embroidered garments the beetle i supposed commented leander i passed him unseen and roamed unhindered over the courtyard it was bare save for one or two worshippers who crossed it presently a winged thing fluttered down to my feet but though a dove indeed it was no bird of mine it knew me not and it was draggled begrimed uncleanly as never were the doves of aphrodite and the sparrows for these too did i see they were worse i motioned them from me with loathing i renounced them all thus leander have i fared in following your counsels well it ain't my fault he said it's the london soot makes them like that there's some at the guildhall perhaps they're cleaner no she said vehemently i will seek no further this is a city of darkness and mire i am in a land an age which know me not this much have i learnt already the world was fairer and brighter of old you see said leander if you only go about at night you can't expect sunshine but i'm told there's cleaner and brighter places to be seen abroad if you cared to go there he insinuated to one place only to my cyprian caves will i go she declared and with you we'll talk about that some other time he answered soothingly lady venus look here don't you think you've kept that ring long enough i've asked you civilly enough goodness knows to and it over times without number i ask you once more to act fair you know it came to you quite accidental and yet you want to take advantage of it like this it ain't right she met this with her usual scornful smile listen leander she said once before how long since i know not a mortal in sport or accident placed his ring as you have done upon the finger of a statue erected to me i claimed fulfilment of the pledge then as now but a force i could not withstand was invoked against me and i was made to give up the ring and with it the power and rights i strove to exert but i will not again be thwarted no force no being shall snatch you from me so be not deceived submit ere you excite my fierce displeasure submit now since in the end submit you must there was a dreadful force in the sonorous tones which made him shiver a rigid inflexible will lurked in this form with all its subtle curves and feminine grace if goddesses really retained any power in these days there could be no doubt that she would use hers to the full yet he still struggled i can't make you give up the ring he said but no more you can't make me leave my my establishment and go away underground with you i'm an englishman i am and englishmen are free mum perhaps she wasn't aware of that i've got a will of my own and so you'll find it poor worm she said pityingly 
and the hairdresser hated to be addressed as a poor worm why oppose thy weak will to mine why enlist my pride against thyself for what hast thou of thine own to render thy conquest desirable thou art bent upon defiance it seems i leave thee to reflect if such a combat can be equal farewell and at my next coming let me find a change and the spirit of the goddess fled as before to the mysterious realms from which she had been so incautiously evoked leaving leander almost frantic with rage superstitious terror and baffled purposes i must get the ring off he muttered and the cloak somehow oh if i could only find out how there was that other chap he got off she said as much if i could get out how he managed it why couldn't i do the same but who's to tell me she won't not if she knows it i wonder if it's in any history old freemolt would know it if it was he's such a scholar why he gave me a name for that air wash without having to think twice over it i'll try and pump old freemolt i'll do it to-morrow too i'll see if i'm to be domineered over by a image out of a tea-garden eh i i don't care if she did hear me so leander went to his troubled pillow full of this new resolution which seemed to promise a way of escape end of chapter seven read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com